I'm not even sure if sponsoring your own podcast is a thing, but we're going to give it a go for the remainder of this series because She Can, She Did has just launched the UK's first ever benefits programme curated for and by self-employed women in the UK. And so I wanted to use this opportunity to tell you all a little bit about it. The new She Can, She Did Benefits programme provides all self-employed women, female founders and freelancers with access to the health and financial benefits that come hand in hand with a corporate career like pensions, health insurance, gym memberships, eye care, etc, etc, plus a whole host of additional fashion, beauty, well-being, parenthood and lifestyle incentives too. With over 60 plus brands on board and counting, including the likes of Pure Gym, Hiscox, Penfold and Vision Express on the more traditional benefits front, to the likes of Esper, Bloom and Wild, Higher Street, HelloFresh and Oh Mama on the ultimate rewards front. For just £5.99 per month, you will gain access to a whole host of exclusive benefits and rewards to support both your business and your life, which, let's face it, will become all the more important as we all try and navigate the uncertainty that the coming months present. Plus, all members benefit from weekly online events with industry experts at no extra cost too, along with many, many more perks of the programme. Visit shecanshedid.com for more details if you're interested, or of course, feel free to just click on the link in this episode's show notes. I feel like Cheryl when I say the next bit, but here goes. She can, she did. Your resilience rewarded. everybody and welcome back to the She Can, She Did podcast, aka the podcast in which I, Fiona Grayson, sit down with female founders dotted all over the UK and ask them to open up to me about absolutely everything they've had to push through. The good, the bad and the more often than not, unbelievably challenging to not just launch but run, grow and sustain their businesses to date. If we haven't met yet, I'm Fee and I'm the founder of She Can, She Did slash of course the one asking the questions throughout this chat. Now, this week's episode is with the incredibly talented duo that is Emily Holder and Danielle Marsh, the two former colleagues turned co-founders behind Wells and Maguire, the high-end interior design studio covering London, Wales and the south of England that the two set up after becoming frustrated by agency life. Now specialising in bespoke interiors for private clients and developers at some seriously, seriously swoon-worthy townhouses and mansions, If you want some dreamy interior inspo, FYI, I would highly recommend looking at their portfolio on their website. I caught up with Emily and Danielle a few weeks back to discuss what the realities of running an interior design company look and feel like behind the scenes. From how they've dealt with the not-so-supportive comments and actions from former acquaintances en route and their advice should you find yourself in a similar position, how they handle the jobs that don't quite go to plan to ensure that their reputation and high standards are always upheld, to how their partnership really came into its own when Emily suffered a devastating loss in her personal life. Their honesty throughout this chat is what She Can, She Did is all about. And for that reason, and the fact that they're both just genuine, lovely company, I hand on heart absolutely love this chat. As always, I really hope you enjoy it. But no, ladies, I feel like it's Friday and I'm down my coffee and I feel like... 
I don't know it's just been one of them weeks like we were just saying so I'm actually really looking forward to this haven't recorded a podcast in a while so they always give me a big boost it's Friday so we can have a nice time yeah absolutely let's jump in what your business is all about in your own words and we'll go from there okay so we are an interior design service we deal with private clients and developers and I mean all our projects are quite different but we meet the client and we get a brief from them and basically go from there we can literally do a full turnkey solution so when the client comes in at the end everything is complete down to cutlery if they need it you know everything so that's what we do I mean, like I was just saying, your website is dreamy. And I feel like when people talk about interior design, the kind of clients that you're getting, they just seem like the dream, like the houses that you're working on. How did you get into this? Like, where did it come from? When we were talking about this, me and Em, so we were saying, how did we get our clients kind of thing? And there was a bit of a long story, but there was this time we left our jobs, we set the company up. And I went to a supplier and I think she was digging. She was digging on behalf of someone else. And she was saying, have you taken clients? Have you done this? Have you done that? And I told them, I'm like, absolutely not. We're really proud of the fact that our clients are our clients. And we have to work to get these clients. You know, we do it all on our own. We don't have sort of like a third party who's bringing work in for us. Like it's all done on our own merit. And a lot of our jobs, we have to tender for them. So when we tender, we're up against other interior design companies as well. So we haven't won all of them. We've done a few, haven't we? We were saying like in our project folder, maybe there's like 25 projects in there and five of them could be projects that we've actually won. So yeah, we we tender. That's how we know how we get the work. Then it's word of mouth, which we were so pleased and grateful for because we think that's one of the best recommendations. 100%. I think we've been really lucky, haven't we? Because we didn't anticipate being as busy as we are. I mean, this won't go out for a couple of weeks, but it's currently early September and I'm on the Selling Sunset hype. I don't know if you've watched it. I've watched it all. Yeah, right. So I'm picturing right now, you know, Chris Shell, how she goes in and she kind of pitches for the houses. Yeah. Are you like that with interior design in terms of, is that what you mean by tendering? Yeah, so in terms of tendering, when we work for a developer, for instance, if we have to design a show home, there might be our company up against three other interior designers. So we have to go to the directors of the development company. We have to basically do a free pitch. So we have to do the design brief. So we have the floor plans. Say, for instance, it's a five-bedroom townhouse. We have to literally design it as such or an initial concept design and give our fee proposal. And we basically have to just go from there. Mm. And when we first started up, it was actually for a developer that was our first big break. And that was for a property in Richmond. And honestly, that was us kind of getting our foot in the door. And it was such a dream on it. When we got accepted, it was like, oh, my God, like we're finally here. It was so nice. I remember when we found out, it was really weird. It was like a November, wasn't it? And I remember exactly where I was. And what I was doing yeah. when we found out and it was just like oh my god yeah I think I was sat on my own and you texted me and I literally jumped up but I had nobody to celebrate with <laughs> I was like oh my god so exciting oh. but it's funny because basically going back 
background me and Danielle worked together for another company in London I was gonna ask this because Danielle said we launched the company I'm like I'm not having that we need to dig deeper into what that looked like <laughs> we both worked for another interior design company in London we worked together for about two and a half years I think it was and I had worked for other firms as well so Danielle and it was whilst we were there Danielle and I were working on projects together doing exactly what we do now because we were pretty much doing well all our own projects you know exactly the same as we are now and it was one time we were both sat in the meeting room just the two of us we'd had probably the most stressful week you know we'd been in the office till 10 o'clock at night and all this and we were exhausted and we were like do you know what if we had our own business we could do all of this and we could actually reap the benefits for ourselves rather than be exhausted and then just doing it for someone else mm. so there and then we literally we were like well what could we call ourselves and we were like, well, we'd have to do it without people knowing to start with whilst we set it up. So we didn't want to use our own names. So that's when we decided to use our mother's maiden names, which is Wells and Maguire. And we literally wrote on a post-it note what our logo would be. Like literally, I think Danielle's still got the post-it note. Do you? Oh, I love that. So that was it. And then that day I went home and I bought the domain for Wells and Maguire because I was like, even if this doesn't happen for a while, at least we've got it. And it didn't happen straight away because Danielle stayed in London. I moved to another job for six months, but then I moved back home to Wales because I was like, if I'm living in London, I'm not going to be able to afford to do anything. So we made the decision then that if Danielle carried on working in London, I would come home and just start doing the background bits, you know, like the admin, get the accountant, all the things that neither of us knew anything about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What was that dynamic like then? Because I'm kind of thinking those early months of launching a business, when you are figuring all of that kind of business admin stuff out, that's where, even though if you're anything like me, to me, I find that stuff so boring, yeah. but you have to get those bits done, don't you? And it's like, that's where it just becomes more and more real. So Danielle, what was it like for you being back in London, still working, but knowing that Emily's in Wales laying the groundwork for your business as well? I mean, in my head, there was no doubt about what I knew Em was doing. So I'm like, I know that she's got it. And every day we would be messaging and stuff. But I think until, I've probably not pieced it together very well. But when we sat down and had that first chat in that meeting about, right, we can do this. I think it did take us a good couple of years, didn't it? Because I remember yeah. when Em moved companies, I went to go and meet you. And we had a Nando's lunch. And I remember Em saying to me, we've got to do this. Like, I definitely want to do this. I'm going to hand my notes in. I'm going back to Wales. And then she went back and it was hard because I was still working. And then we were trying to figure out, okay, we need money. And where I am, I'm not, I don't live in London, but I live like an hour, hour and a half away south of London. Even here where I am, the cost of living is so much higher than in Wales. So we were like, shit, what do we do? How do we do this? I think it did take some time for that to build up. And I'm still working and thinking, right, what do I do? Do I jump this? When, when do I go? And I went, I think it was a while. I can't remember how long it was. But I then went freelance and was doing some freelance work and then sort of like slowly moving myself over. But Em did it full time, which was amazing. And I, know, I remember in the early days, she had no money and we had <laughs> zero <laughs> zero income yeah and I can't remember how much it was I remember when when we first got some money and Em was like I'm just going to pay myself and I think it was like 
what was it like 300 pounds or something yeah literally it was nothing I was like I literally have no money I mean it's a bit stupid really just going cold turkey and quitting your job but I I did the same (laughs) and I'm always like oh my god it's so stupid in hindsight and I do feel like it's like sometimes you piece it back like I wouldn't do it differently because you're here where you are now but yeah it's hard yeah it was the right decision because if both of us had done it I think we both would have been far more stressed and like Danielle said living in Wales is far cheaper than it is living in London or just outside London. Like I moved back with my mum temporarily until I then moved in with my partner now. But even then I had a small amount of savings to get me by, but nothing really. But then when we first got our first payment, which wasn't much, it was just for a small design job. We set up our bank account and it was like, oh my God, like that's our first bit of money. And it's just grown from there. So yeah, and gradually with our salaries, then when Danielle came on board, I was taking a small amount of money. And then we both agreed then that we could start taking a salary, got a new accountant because our first accountant wasn't the best. (laughs) And a good accountant is definitely one of the good things to have. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's amazing. I feel like I still am really interested, though, in that bit the conversations between you both how did you was it 50 50 from the start like you know that kind of if Danielle's still on a full-time salary and and you're not Mm -hmm. Emily you know what were those kind of conversations in terms of your relationship as co-founders and also in terms of how you split that role as well like were you quite organic about it and the roles have evolved along the way or did you both kind of know what your strengths were at the beginning Yeah, I think it kind of just fell into place, really. We both do the same things, don't we, Danielle? Like in terms of we can both do the CAD drawings, we both do the design, we both do the invoicing. So it, it did kind of just fall into place that way. But when Danielle went freelance, so I was paying myself a very small amount for the first few months before Danielle joined properly. But then when Danielle was doing freelance, she was still as a ghost as such. And Wells and Maguire would then pay her as a freelancer. So she was still getting the money, but it was just in a different way. Rather than a salary, it was a freelance, basically. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I just always think they're the kind of things, if anyone was listening to this, thinking about how it all works. It's like those little nitty gritty bits with co-founders that I always think are quite interesting. Okay, so talk me through what it was like when you're both now full-time for this so how long from the meeting with the post-it note to going both full-time was it that gap three years yeah two wow. three years but it sounds like it's quite long but I think M definitely did a good year and a half before I could come full-time so she's definitely I would say the number one founder of this business because she did all that graft and I can only do so much but also we had to be really careful I had to be really careful as well about who knew what and what was going on because we didn't want to upset any employers as such and you know we didn't want people to know what we were doing because it wasn't sly we weren't being sly about it like we said we weren't taking anything but we wanted to build this thing on our own and do it in the right way and I think we did. It more came down to like money, didn't it? It was like... Yeah. Danielle had mortgage, so that was more of a worry. Yeah. Whereas I didn't have to worry about that at the time. So yeah, I, it did just work out. And like Danielle said, we had to be careful because we'd both been in contracts, which we were well out of by the time it was, you know, sort of set up. And to be honest, people haven't really been that supportive, people we used to work with. 
since <laughs> well let's roll with that then because it's i'm actually releasing a campaign on monday about the different things that self-employed women what they've been told like statements and stuff yeah. and some of the ones that have come through are just well they don't surprise me at all because i've heard it now but it's just it just basically says that how it is but let's talk because i think those first few months when you're launching a business you're in a really vulnerable position at least i felt that way and I, you're very aware that people you used to work with friends family everyone's kind of watching yeah so what was that like and you know if you say former colleagues perhaps weren't as supportive can you elaborate and how did you deal with that because I think it's such a common reality Mm. I mean when we were say out there I don't think either of us were ever like oh my god this is my company and like blasting it out into the world we kind of felt like we're going but we're quite underground and we know people are going to fall and at the beginning I think we had quite an interesting like a really good support didn't we from a couple of ex-colleagues and staff and they were like oh congratulations that's amazing but I feel like from then to now there's certainly a couple of people who have been so I don't want to say nice because I feel like nice isn't good enough they're so supportive and I mean a couple have written on our posts recently and just said this is stunning and ex-colleagues chimed in yes amazing go for it so there's been one or two who've been super but then I feel like Others just drop off. Yeah, like just drop off the face of the earth and stop speaking to you. And I don't know, like it's a bit weird. But we, like I said at the beginning, when I went into a showroom up in London to go and sort out some stuff for one of our projects, and the girl there knew me from the previous firm. And I don't even know if I told her that I was doing Wells and Maguire, just went in and she was like, Oh, I've heard you're doing this so where are your projects and who are your clients did you take them are they ex-clients from your previous firm and I was like no absolutely not and I came out of the meeting and I thought that's too weird like she's too pushy and inquisitive about me and us and what we were doing and very interested in who our clients were and I thought someone set it up yeah it's like she had told oh Danielle's coming in to someone I don't know and they've been going oh my god find out info yeah yeah. it's quite deflating as well then though isn't it because it's like they're like accusing you of something when actually we haven't done anything wrong we also like Danielle said we have had some really supportive people especially some of our suppliers ones that we used when we were in the other firm as any other interior designers use them as well Mm they've been really really supportive like our curtain company for instance and our joiner they're just amazing and they've actually helped us get work as well so that's really nice but then at one point when we were doing really well we got a few calls from our suppliers saying oh so and so's rang me asking questions and digging about your company so this is an ex-employer again (laughs) digging and we were just like just ring us just ask us that's fine like we will answer it you don't have to beat around the bush you know we're not in school anymore. We don't need the drama. If you want to ask us a question, just ring us up and ask us. Isn't that hard feelings? Yeah, absolutely. Interestingly, that phone call was about someone who we both worked with. And that person, when I worked there, hated me. Flat out hated me. And I was like, it's fine, whatever. That's fine. And 
we got this call and it was like, oh, so-and-so is ringing up all of the suppliers, asking questions about you, trying to find out information about you. And then a couple of months later, said person sent me a message on LinkedIn and it said something like, congratulations on your new company. I'm sure you'll do amazing. You know, well done. And it was like, <laughs> why are you that to me? Because you hate me. Oh gosh. Yeah, no, it's not like the first story that I've heard like that. But I think that it's just when you do branch out on your own, people are watching and it can, like you said, it's like Marmite. Some people will get behind you and others will be wanting it to go wrong. But that's on their insecurities, I suppose. The reason I bring it up is because it is just so common and I personally find it a lot more comforting knowing that it's something that other founders go through as well. Definitely. You just have to grit your teeth and smile politely and just... What's the phrase? Is it water off your back? Is that the phrase? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just go with that. We still get it though. Even two weeks ago, didn't we? We had a meeting with a client and the client had said to us, oh, I met so-and-so. And they were asking about you, asking how you were doing and trying to find out what projects you're on. And it's like, that's two weeks ago. And we've been doing this now for a year, you know, well, me a year and a lot longer. And it's like, go away, carry on. You do your thing. We'll do ours. Good luck to you. And just focus on what you're doing. But I don't know. It's an interest, but I feel like it's not a friendly interest. And you know, don't you, you definitely in your gut know what's supportive and what's not. But there's a really good TED talk with Simon Sinek when he's talking about Apple and Microsoft and how he worked with both. And when he was in the Microsoft offices, they constantly were talking about Apple and what Apple are doing and Apple's latest innovations and how they're trying to outmatch Apple, blah, blah, blah. And they gave him like a new product. And then he went over to the Apple office and showed Apple the new Microsoft product. And they were just like, oh, good for them and carried on. And it was literally just that, okay, cool. We're focused on us. Yeah. You waste so much time just kind of obsessing over what other companies are doing. Yeah. Just focus and do your thing. And as long as you're not treading on anyone's toes, you're fine. And that's what we've done, haven't we? We knew what we didn't like before. And we've made sure that we haven't brought that on board with Wales and Maguire. We've done it our way. We get our family time. I'm back in Wales, but we do projects as and when, and we travel for them. But I think that's the thing. There was a lot of things that we didn't like before, which is the same with everybody, I think, in working in previous companies. And we just made sure that we've gone on and done what we want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the realities of the actual job at hand. Big budgets, I'm presuming quite strict deadlines, multiple suppliers you're managing. What's the reality of knowing that ultimately it all falls down on your shoulders? Like, is that something that you enjoy? I always think that when people say, oh, I'd love to have my own business in a job that they were doing for a corporate, you will kind of look at that idea of running a business with rose-tinted glasses, you know? And then it's kind of like that pressure is on a different level when it's actually you that's responsible. So talk me through the realities of the job at hand and how you deal with them. I think a lot of people, when we say we're interior designers, they're like, oh my God, that's just a dream job. That's amazing. You get to work with amazing interiors. But actually, we worked with someone before and they said interior design is 90% admin, 10% design. And that is really true, isn't it? (laughs) Because as much as we love it and it is amazing, there is a lot of management. Yeah. Like you say, manage all the suppliers. And there are always mistakes. Bad things always happen. But we try to stay calm. (laughs) 
and we always find a solution somehow <laughs> definitely staying calm yeah a really good thing and we both have done when we worked together before this we've done projects that were disastrous yeah nail biting like furniture's being craned up in the middle of central london and it's just like swinging in the air and you're like oh this is <laughs> x amount of money especially me i would take on the stresses of all of that but it was for someone else mm-hmm. and now the stresses are our stresses but i think because we are two we can bounce off each other. Yeah. We rely on each other as well. Like, and for me, that's so nice because yeah, we've got each other. And also we, to an extent in doing interior design, we know what we're doing. We don't have to run a business, but we know how to do interior design. So together, you know, one of us will do one element and we'll show the other one and then we go back and forth and make it work. And then, yeah, I think together we work very well. We do wing it a lot of the time as I'm sure a lot of founders do. And like Danielle said, we do take on the pressures. Like I will wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be thinking, oh my God, why can't I find the right furniture for that room or something or that wallpaper isn't right. But then we do have each other and it kind of is when it all comes together, it's so much more rewarding. I mean, like you were saying earlier about our website, when we finally get our professional photographs back, it's like a dream and it's just such such a nice thing to see and we're like actually we did that nobody sees the blood sweat and tears that goes behind it behind closed doors I mean like the install we did last week for example it was still a building site so we're trying to dress this beautiful home that's still having wallpaper installed and we've had our professional photos taken but what you see one side you may not see the other side because that part is still needs to be repainted or something so yeah. It's just working with what we have, really. And we're only as good as the last project we've done, I think. Speaking of when things don't go to plan and what do we do about it, as an example, when we did a house last year, we had this wallpaper, which was really nice sampled. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was like a beautiful shimmery silk with this lovely little pattern. Anyway, so the decorators put this wallpaper up and we walked in and I've sent him a picture and I've gone, have we ordered the wrong paper? And she was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> it was the right paper. It was, but it was just so, it just did not work at all, did it? And we were like, right, we haven't got to hand this house over. So we have got time to rectify this. What do we do? So we just had to own up to it and we just had to send a picture to the client and we went, look, we've walked in, we're not happy with the paper, so we want to change it. Are you happy with this alternative? And they said, we had come into the house, like in an evening or something to check on the progress. And we had seen it, but we didn't want to say anything to you. They were so sweet. They were so polite. And they were like, oh, you know, we didn't want to say anything because we offended. And we were like, no, it's not right. So we will change it. So we changed it. And it looks stunning. Yeah. yeah. But we both had sleepless nights over it because we were like, we can't leave that. And it was actually what the client had agreed on. And on a sample, it's stunning because it was a very subtle shadow pattern. But on all of the walls, we were like, whoa. But we did. And we paid for it then to be changed, redecorated, because we were like, we don't want to have an unhappy client at the end. And I mean, they were lovely clients, weren't they, anyway? So yeah, we go above and beyond to try and make sure the final outcome for our clients, that they're pleased with it, basically. Mm, Absolutely. 
What has been the worst day on the job? If you've got kind of a standout moment, or if not, what do you struggle most with about being your own boss? I think me and Danielle spoke about this the other day. We haven't had anything that's gone completely bad. Mm. But for me personally, one of my worst times that sticks out was this time last year, I actually lost one of my really close friends suddenly. And obviously having your own business, you can't put that onto the clients and say, and like Danielle was amazing, but she died suddenly. And for me, it was just kind of like, whoa, you can't take time off work. You have to still sort of crack on. And it was whilst we were doing this private client, this beautiful townhouse in London, and it was in the middle of the install. So I traveled to her funeral in Watford. So it was September last year. And then from there, went straight down to London to meet Danielle for the installs. And I stayed in London that week for the install. So that for me, I could have taken time off. And Danielle said, you don't have to come, I'll do it. But I think I would have felt worse doing that. So for me personally, that was probably the hardest thing because I'm still trying to come to terms with the shock of everything. But then you still want to make sure your client is happy at the end. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think that's probably the, the hardest thing so far. And everything that comes after that, then the emotional side of it, when you know you've still got to work, but then you still have to deal with your emotions and grief, basically. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. I think that is, I always say, you know, when you launch a business and you care about it that much that you're committing to it, mm. life will always get in the way sometimes. Businesses, you have to just keep going, don't you? And mm. it's like when personal life does present you with grief and challenges like that, yeah, I can just put myself in your shoes there and just say that's 100% the worst part of running a business is that it's that reality. And Danielle, for you, I think that's where the co-founder thing really comes into its own, doesn't it? Sort of you just take a step up, I guess. I think definitely when that was happening and we were on this install, it was for a private client. And just to talk about last week's one, this was for a developer and we had to get it done like it had to be done. Obviously with a private client, it has to be done. But we sort of were in more control of it and we were in more control of our trades and our subcontractors and stuff. And so it's fine for one of us. If M said, I can't come, it's fine. Like I could take it. And I know if it was the other way around, she would say exactly the same. And I remember we did that project and then we were just carrying on with like normal business and, you know, we were working in our offices and stuff. And some days M would message me and she'd just say, I just don't, I can't, my head is not there. And I know I've got to get stuff done, but I just can't do it today. And for me, I'm more concerned about her not being like, oh, fuming and it was never like that at all it's just like no problem just take if you need to take the day take the day take the week come in do bits when you can because we'll both pick it up we can both do the same so not one of us does one thing we can both do all aspects and I think having our own business then is amazing because if it had been in another environment for someone else we know it would not have gone like that I mean, I'm not saying all bosses are like that because I know that there are, but we know from experience that certain things happen and you don't get the support that you think you deserve. That was one of the things with our other company that I think we needed more support. So yeah, I'm glad obviously that it happened in this situation and not however many years ago when I was working for someone else, because I mean, it's, it's a distraction as well, doing the work, you still have to, but like Danielle said, some days 
you just can't do anything. You just can't focus. But then, like I said, the photos that you get at the end, nobody on Instagram would know that there was any of those struggles behind. And that's what we want. We want to make sure that we can put on a professional face, you know, and be as professional as we can. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure she'll be so proud of you because your work is honestly stunning. Like, I can't get over it. I always have a big stalk half an hour before each podcast recording. (laughs) And I was just like, I feel like your Instagram as well. I think your website, it doesn't do it justice. Like, I love your Instagram because that's what I was like, yeah, let's do this interview. And then I was on your website and I was like, oh my God, this is epic. (laughs) But what's the best part about being your own boss? Because I'm so very aware that I always talk about challenges, but there are so many perks to it. So what are you most proud of and what makes it all worth it? Um, oh, well, we, we did win an award, didn't we? We did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really nice thing. So it was October last year, especially because the months before, obviously, I'd lost my friend and we'd had all of this. But months before that, we came across this award ceremony and it was for Monmouthshire because I'm based in Wales. That's where the registered address was. And they had all these categories and we were like, well, do you know what? We haven't been going long. We can't really look at like, you know, best business and all of that. But we were like, oh, we'll go for it. Next thing, then they rang and said that they wanted to interview us. So it had to be recorded and just speak about the business. And we went to the ceremony and we were like, do you know what? If we don't win, it's a good night out. So Danielle took her partner. I took mine. We both stayed in the Celtic Manor. My mum came along as well because at the time she was helping out with accounts and things. So it was lovely. We all dressed up, black tie. It was like good night out because we hadn't had a Christmas party or anything the year before. So we were like, well, this can be it. Anyway, we won best new business startup. And honestly, that for us was like, oh my God, we are actually quite good. (laughs) It was kind of like we went along just for a fun night out and we won. It was kind of like we appreciated ourselves a lot more. And we were like, we actually, we can do this. And we have done bloody amazing in our first year. I was going to say the stats that you gave in your opening intro email as well, like from going from taking barely any money to the money you turned over in your second year, you're doing all right I mean it's amazing and I feel like the trajectory is only up right yeah well hopefully I mean even since all this bloody COVID stuff we seem to be doing fine we've got new projects we've just completed another project so actually what we missed out in those few months during the pandemic we've actually gained back quite quickly so yeah touch wood it's uh, gonna carry on that way yeah definitely I think just to go back to what you said about what our proudest moments, one of them, and we always speak about it, is that we've done it for ourselves and we've done it from scratch. And we haven't had any money loans or anything like that. We tried and the bank said no. (laughs) So we were like, fine. See if I care. (laughs) Fine then, we'll find our own way. It's all been like a massive learning curve. You mentioned on our Instagram when it started up, we were like, oh my God, we've got 50 followers. And then it was like 100, 200 followers. And then we got to 500. And so we tried to like, as you do, you try to build the interest and you get the name out there and stuff. We've done all these like trial and errors for things and some things work and some things don't. And then it's like across the board, isn't it? Like in general, you try to build your client base and you try to put the name out there. And 
I remember when it was the COVID pandemic and we were all in lockdown, we were fine for a few months, absolutely fine. And then we sort of got a little bit quiet. And so we were trying to make more contacts and get out there, find different people, tell them about us, make a connection. And it was like we were getting rejected or ignored. <laughs> it was like a job interview where you don't hear anything. And I was like, why aren't people replying to us? And then we had one person ping back, of, what was it, half an hour after mm. I sent email and they went we've got this job can you come and see us tomorrow so I went and had this meeting with them and it was so positive and I said to Emma I'm like this job is you know amazing this is the most beautiful area in Surrey and we were so excited and then we sort of submitted all the information that we need to submit like fee proposals and never heard anything so I'm like why are they ignoring us and then Em rang them about a month later and they totally misled us, hadn't they? They'd totally yeah. given us the wrong information. And then they're like, oh, well, no, it doesn't work like that. You need to pitch for the work. So we were like, we're happy to pitch. Put us on your list. And um, they said they would, and then they never did. And we didn't hear from them. I think moments like that are definitely so disappointing. And when you don't win a tender or a pitch, you're disappointed because you have to put a lot into it because you want the job at the end of the day. So you want to show what you can do and that, you know, it's not just sort of like reeled off. When we don't win things like that, it's disappointing. But then when we look at what we have done and what we have got, we're really proud of that. And also what's really nice is for me, when people come up to me or they'll say, oh my God, that bathroom that you did, for example, that bathroom in Norfolk is amazing. Your website is looking insane. And it's like, oh, thanks. When you hear it from other people, you can see that they are loving what you do. Yeah. I think that's one of the nicest things, that positive feedback. And from our clients, I mean, for our, our Norfolk project, for example, we had the most amazing feedback from them. The text that we got from one of the clients, it was just a load of swear words because she's so happy. <laughs> and we have, we've just had really good feedback. So yeah, so although you get the disappointment when you don't win a job, when you do win a job, that is the best Makes feedback. it worth it. Yeah, because you're like, well, actually, they do want us. There's so much competition out there. And I think for Danielle and I, we're very personable and we would rather be known as the two friendly girls that can do all of this amazing stuff, but still have a laugh with our clients. We're not very corporate or we don't turn up to meetings in suits or anything like that. We are what we are. You get what you see, really. So, And that's nice then when they want us as interior designers. Yeah, definitely. How have your friends and family reacted? Obviously, we spoke about former colleagues earlier, but you mentioned your partners and your mum came along to the awards and stuff. Have you seen any relationships evolve for the better, worse across the past three, four years? I think our close friends and family, they've been amazing, haven't they? And like both of our partners, they're just really, really supportive of us. But there are friendships that just have fizzled out, unfortunately. I mean, it's hard for me. It was like a million things because I was moving back from London. I'd lived in London like eight years. And then obviously I've got my friends here as well. But then people don't realize, whereas before I would always be like, yeah, I'll be there at that event or I'll come to that party. When you start to say no, unfortunately, people just don't like that. And we can't help it if we're that busy and we have to work evenings and weekends, especially being in Wales. I can't say yes to everything. So yeah, friendships have fizzled out. And it is, it is a shame because I think my true friends, I might not speak to them for a few weeks or months. And it's exactly the same when I do meet them. I think as we get older, we've just realised, haven't we, that you can probably count your best friends on one hand. I think we used to be really, not maybe stressed, but like it would really irritate us if 
there was a bit of tension between not between us but with our you know friends or anything and it would make you really stressed because then you can be in these toxic environments and they're just not worth it and now we've sort of we were talking about it not so long ago and it was like well we've not spoken to so-and-so in a while but then when you do speak to so-and-so they never ever ask about how the business is doing but you know that they're watching it because they follow you but they don't they just don't I don't know we just said it's so much better to have a few key people who really care because they're the people that you want you don't need ag and bitchiness and toxicness it's just not worth it no absolutely and what about your relationship together I was it's funny because our friendship has built through the business. Yeah. I speak to Danielle more than I speak to anybody in the entire world, literally. And we were friends, obviously, when we worked together. Yeah. But it was through work. But we've built our relationship from that. And we are geeks sometimes. And we laugh at the same things. And then when we have to be serious, we're serious. But I think our friendship has grown from business. And it's good. And I like the way that we work as well. We can have a laugh. And we also sometimes feel like we've worked hard this month. So so should we treat ourselves? So we'll, and we both agree every time. We're like, yes, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> oh, it's Friday. I'm going to go and get my nails done. Oh, yeah. I think I'll go and get my nails done as well. So we're on the same page. <laughs> the other day, we were trying to find a photo, weren't we? It was a photo of something to do with our project last week. And on WhatsApp, in our media, I think we had over five and a half thousand yeah. photos or videos where we've screenshotted yeah back and forth back and forth and even last night it was like 10 o'clock at night and we're working on a tender for a new project and we're both like screenshotting stuff and then circling it what about this cushion this detail is nice oh I like this here (laughs) and that's like constant like totally constant your partner's just like, hello, over here. Yeah, Ash is like, so what do you want to watch? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't care. I was like, I'm still looking for stuff. He's like, who are you messaging? Danielle again. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> what has this whole experience to round up? What has it taught you about yourself? Oh, I wrote this one down, didn't I? Because <laughs> we were laughing about this. I was saying that I, because one of the, sorry, I've just totally ignored your question, but this might relate. What have we learned? As myself, I am unconventional, disorganised and scruffy. <laughs> You're not scruffy. Look at this office. Oh, no, I'm not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See that curtain there? It's because there's a washing machine, like an old washing machine that needs to go downstairs. And every time I'm on here, I'm like, I'll just, I'll just hide it. I'll just hide it. <laughs> no, I think I've learned that we are probably a lot stronger and a lot more resilient to things. Yeah, definitely. We've probably learned that we can take criticism and sort of grow from it. And we have, actually. I mean, one of the things that has stuck, we came to one of the London midweek mingles, and I think it was Mac and Moore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sophie T, Mako, all of those. In the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that they said, which stuck with us, because right from the start, we've been worried about giving a quote for something. And by the time you've given it, you can talk yourself out of it. And they said their advice is to give the price and shut up. Yeah. And honestly, since then, we've taken that on, haven't we? Yeah. Because I can talk myself out of it, even if I'm speaking to Danielle about something. So now we go back and forth. We're like, is that too expensive? And we're like, no, we need to give the price and shut up. 
And it works. It does. Because sometimes they come back and say, well, actually, that's a bit expensive. So then we'll make sure that we know in our head we can reduce it by, say, 5 or 10%. But if we've got a figure in our mind, we won't go lower than that. And it works because we know our value, I think. That's amazing. And I think we have to stick by it, don't we? Because otherwise, if you gave something out, like a fee proposal, and they said, oh, no, it's too expensive, and you slashed it by 50 60%, you're already giving yourself a bad... Yeah, yeah, Just looks silly, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like you have massively overinflated it. But there's one particular client, potential client, who really ran us riot and was desperately trying to get us to do work for free. And we didn't do work, but we did like a very quick presentation. You know, we met them countless times, super positive meetings. And then they came back, said, oh no, I've spoken to... I don't know, another design, they only charge something like £500. It's like, because they'll make their money from you another way. We're fair and we're open. And that's what we like. You know, we say to people, we are open and honest about it. You know how much we're charging you. We're not being secretive. Anyway, said client vanished, vanished off the face of the planet, came back six months later. Oh, hi, Daniel and Emily. Can we please revisit my project? And then the whole Zoom meeting, wasn't it? It was all the client trying to play us off against someone else. And it was like, we don't care about this because this is already ag before we've even begun. So we don't need it. We've learned now, haven't we? If we haven't got a good feeling about something, we will quite happily move away from the client and we will say, I'm really sorry that we can't help you this time. Good luck. And we said, didn't we? Good luck in finding the right interior designer for you and for your home but I think we can't do anything to help you at this time so we're polite about it but I think that's a learning curve as well not saying yes to everything absolutely absolutely I love that so much let's round up with the statements then to end Mm -hmm. I ask everyone so I guess I don't know if you both want to answer them or like take it in turns but being my own boss means oh I'd say definitely freedom so the freedom to do what we want as in how we want to run our business we can do it our way you know how we want to run our projects and then freedom to just spend more time doing the things that we love i.e with family with friends if we want to get our nails done on a friday then we will yeah agree yeah freedom absolutely when it's not quite going to plan my advice would be to uh take a step back tomorrow is a new day Definitely. We like to do a bit of yoga or do some exercise or Danielle will go on a long dog walk. I think that's the best advice, really. Just take a step back. You're always going to be thinking about it if it's your business. So you can't ever get away from that, I don't think. But focusing on something else for a bit. Tomorrow's a new day. It'll still be there and we can reconvene then tomorrow. Absolutely. If I could describe myself as a businesswoman, Danielle, I know your answer. Scrappy, (laughs) I'd say that I am. (laughs) Emily, what about you? I think, yeah, I'm not a conventional businesswoman. It's weird even saying businesswoman because I don't don't feel old enough, which is so stupid because I'm 33. But yeah, I think unconventional. I like to think that I'm organised. Um, which I yeah I I am organized I love a spreadsheet (laughs) and for me that helps me as a business person to be able to put everything down into writing into spreadsheets and work it out that way yeah but then that doesn't mean that I'm not a geek inside because I am and I think that's absolutely fine to be an unconventional businesswoman absolutely if I could go back to day one of my business I'd tell myself 
I'd definitely say be patient. Oh, me too. I'm very impatient. And like even now, so impatient. And I think just having patience and just calm down, slow down. As an example, when we were in lockdown, I'd be saying to Em, I'm like, oh, these people haven't replied. Or, oh, what are we going to do if we finish this project and don't get the next one? And she's like, something will happen. Just be calm about it. So I think if one of us is stressed, the other one is calm and then the other way around. Yeah, it is quite a good balance. We do calm each other down if one's stressed or something. So yeah, yeah, I think patience is a very good thing because we like to have an answer straight away, but we don't always get that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I do feel like sometimes life, it would be boring if we got what we wanted all the time. I think it it, would. Very lastly, ladies, I want my legacy to be that. Mm, I would say to inspire you can do it we've done it so yeah I definitely think inspire and encourage would be our definitely and no matter what environment you're working in or living in if you put your mind to it that can change I mean we've both had things in our lives that have happened and we've managed to turn it around and I think if we can show other people that you can do that regardless of what the business is yeah yeah, I think it's good to inspire other people to do it because I think everybody should have their own business because it's so worth it ah thank you so much both of you I really enjoyed that that's so lovely to properly chat I've been looking forward to this since our phone call so thank you yeah thank thank you so much it's been lovely Thank you so much for listening to that episode if you have a minute to spare and enjoyed it of course it would mean so much to me if you could please rate the podcast below or leave a review if you fancy being extra kind as apparently it helps to give the series a little boost and helps other female founders and aspiring business owners to find it for now though enjoy the rest of your day and please do look out for next week's episode mm-hmm.